Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. Hello, I'm Herman Armstrong, a church planter resident with the EPC. All right, and we are grateful to have Herman with us today. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation on big questions for little people, and this has been this has been a fun topic to explore. Um, Maria and I are both parents of younger children, um, and I've been doing sixth grade devotions with um, through the book of Daniel with the, with our current sixth graders, and they ask me some tough questions. And um, even though they're not as little as some of our others, it's been really fun. Uh, to, to unpack that. So excited to have Herman here. Herman, go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, your background. You and I have known each other for a little yes. while, and so, but I'd love to love to just introduce you to our listening community. Yes, thank you. Thank you all for having me today. I appreciate it. As I mentioned, my name is Herman Armstrong, uh, born and raised in the St. Louis area. So uh, just a strong, uh, strong ties and passion to the community. For a long time, I worked in a few different schools and education sectors, currently uh, beginning the process of uh, church planting in North City, the area I'm from, and so very passionate about that and seeing God move um, in that endeavor. Uh, Married to Kim, uh, going on almost nine years and have three little ones as well, six, three, and two, and so it's it's never a dull moment. So (laughs) You got your hands full. Yes, 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 to say the least. Family life is always exciting. So yes. Yeah. Well, and and you're getting ready to to plant a church. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that in, in just a moment. Sure. But, um, you have um, you've been teaching at Westminster. Yes, and, this term. Yes. And, yes. and what are you what are you teaching? Christian ethics. Christian. And ethics. how's that going? Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, uh, teenagers have no shortage of questions. And they're not afraid to hold back uh, when something doesn't make sense to them. Uh, But it's been exciting. It's been exciting to catch young people in this time where they're still developing their sort of conceptual framework, you know, of how to approach the Christian life. One of the things I push in class, whether we're talking about um, um, the value of life or gender issues or even just sanctification and, and how to live a godly life, Um, When we have our conversations, I tell the teens, feel free to tell me what you think, what you believe, but also tell me why. You know, one of my my biggest goals is to help uh, our students develop a rationale for their approach to the Christian life. Uh, That was something in my own development uh, growing up in church, but then kind of being thrown into the world post high school and in college. You know, I would certainly have considered myself a Christian, but didn't have a why for why I wanted to live separate from the world. And so I want to help our students uh, in my current class develop that, that foundation, have a rationale for um, their approach to sanctification and, and godliness. So. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and you've got three kids. Yes. Uh, and your oldest is at South City Community School. Yes, yes, which yes. Is a, which is a CSASL school, which is a sister school to us. Most and, definitely. Um, and great friends down at South City. Um, and you serve on the board. I do. I do. Um January of last year of 2021, I was asked to uh, participate in a survey that some board uh, committees were doing, mm-hmm. reaching out to uh, several different school uh, constituents about ways to just sort of engage the community better and so forth. And those conversations continue to happen. And from that, I was asked to join the board in uh, May, May of, of last year. And uh, I love everything about it. I love everything about just being a part of the life 
and the ethos of, of SCCS and just kind of being behind the scenes, so to speak, yeah. and um, very passionate about education, Christian education. And so it's been fantastic. It's been fantastic. Well, and just as a, as a point of reference to who also serves on that board is, yes. is fa- our founding yes. head of school and head of school emeritus, yes. Sue Pitzer. Yes. Um, yes. And so we've had a sweet and, and generous partnership between our two schools. And yes. Michael Treadwell, the head of school there, has served on our accreditation commission and uh, I'll be serving on theirs in the fall, and and we just have a great um, a great rapport between the two institutions, and so um, here we are again with with doing a podcast yes. with with a board member, and yes. we love it, and so yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. Michael's great, and and Sue uh, is just a, a godsend to South City. Like all her experience here at KDS, she brings. Uh, to our board conversations as well. So it is just, it, it's just tremendous to have her for sure. Yeah. That's yes. awesome. Um, okay, so you're serving on the board now. What? Tell me a little bit about your background. You said you've done some education. You've had some education experience, but tell me a little bit about your own education and um, what kind of led you into teaching Christian ethics at, at Westminster. Sure, most definitely. So um Born and raised in St. Louis, graduated from an SLPS high school, ended up at Missouri S&T. One of the few people down there who was not an engineering major, and so that was <laughs> very interesting. Even had classmates who didn't know there were other majors on campus. But at any rate, I was a biology major and was praying about the pre-med route uh, for a while and majored in biology. Took some time post-graduation uh, to work and do some shadowing, took the MCAT, prayed on it, and God led me to a different direction towards um nonprofit work, uh, education work, and so forth. So I lived out of St. Louis for a short time, I moved back to the St. Louis area. And for over a decade, I worked in programs like um, Upward Bound and, and TRIO-type programs, working with middle and high school students in every aspect of career preparation and college readiness. And so similar to what I mentioned about the ethics course, that was something very important to me because those were things I did not get in my own formation. Mm-hmm. And so I know the, the importance, the value of helping young people be forward thinking and uh, be proactive. Um, somewhere through that time of working in secular education programs, I did feel God's call also towards ministry. And so I uh, spent some time in uh, several different churches and volunteer ministry, um, but also being ordained as well. I spent some time as a youth pastor and assistant pastor in a few different contexts. And I got open the door eventually for me to attend seminary, Midwestern Seminary. And so uh, I have a a Master of Theological Studies from Midwestern Seminary with an emphasis in uh, Christian counseling, highest honors as well. (laughs) And uh, that was nice to hear them say that when they called my name. (laughs) And also an MBA as well. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. You. So you come with a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, for our conversation today. By God's grace. Yes. Yes. Which is awesome. We appreciate you taking the time to do that, yes, too, because these yes. are difficult questions that sure. our little ones um, can ask us at times. So I know we have a few we may try and get through today, sure. uh, but let's just start with the first one. And that is who created God? Okay, let's let's do it. Let's jump in. It's a great great question yes. because I've definitely had my my uh, four year old Millie ask um, where where God came from. Yes, yes, and yes. if He created everything, who created Him? So wow, my head already hurts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are um, on the same line of thinking because when I first looked at this question, I did think about my own upbringing and as a child thinking about that very question of. 
um, where did God come from and, and how is it that he's always been? And I remember being, as you mentioned, you know, four, five, six, you know, thinking, well, if I think back, you know, a thousand years, right, God was there. Okay, well, if I think back a million years, wait, wait, God was still there. And even billions and, and, and eons and so forth, there was never a time where God didn't exist, right? And it's just, as you mentioned, Taylor, uh, made, made my head hurt, yes. right, as, as a child. And even even as a, a, a theologically trained minister, <laughs> sometimes it still makes my head hurt, right? The fact that God always existed. And so the answer to our question uh, is one that may not that may not satisfy us, but very simple is no one, right? Mm-hmm. We have to settle on that fact that that no one created God. The fact that um, different than us as human beings, He has always existed, mm. and I think that's why it it um, it does frustrate us somewhat. It does make our head heads hurt because in many ways it is beyond our comprehension, right? Of course, all of us we have a birth date. We know when we came into the world, and so we see things as having a beginning. And so when we look at our God, it's sometimes hard to ponder um, or understand that God does not have a beginning. Mm-hmm. And so our, our answer may even be that um, it's beyond our understanding, right? We, we Maybe not that we can, can truly have an answer, but just understand this is something that goes beyond, um, as I mentioned, the the, the the idea of human comprehension. So. You know, sometimes when my daughter asks that, I'm like, well, honey, we just don't know the answer to that question. And that's not totally true. Um, sometimes I use that as a cop-out when she asks that, like, you know, a time. I'm like, I can't, I, I can't think about this. I mean, like when they're in bed and they're supposed to be yeah. falling asleep and they're just trying to talk exactly. to stay awake? Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, but but there, the Bible does at least give us some description of who we are compared to who sure. God is. Sure. Uh, and, I, and I think of, of um, you know, we are finite beings. Sure. And God is a infinite God. Yes. And yes, to a four-year-old or to a five-year-old or even an adult at times, yes. that's not going to make sense and comprehend. And there can be, I think, some peace in that. Um, sure. I think it's important that we teach our kids there are some things that we don't fully know or fully understand because we are creatures sure. created by God. Most definitely. I think um, I have found some solace and a few pastoral mentors telling me that um, as finite humans, we should find some peace and joy in the fact that we serve a God who we, can, who we cannot fully explain, mm. a God that we don't know his bounds. He is that far above and, and over us. Um, to Taylor's point, uh, you are you are very correct. Um, a, a child that should be in bed is a curious child. <laughs> <laughs> they always have many questions. And so during one of my own times with our little ones, I think the um, Holy Spirit led me to Psalm 90 in, in verse 2 that says, uh, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Right? That's mm-hmm. something that I can't fully explain but I can know that that's how God reveals himself to us. He is very clear that he always was and always will be. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a funny thing because I think so much of, of, of human life and what we see from our children at the early age, whether they're being innocently curious or mm. maybe maliciously curious, 
um, upwards to to adults and, and as we function you know both in in structured uh, let's say work society or more unstructured uh, just civility out, outside of this what we end up coming to is this area of saying we want to know everything but mm-hmm. yet we don't want any responsibility and so it's like well we want to know all about God but we don't really want the responsibility of that. And I think that's that's mm. a lot of, of kind of that that push, the pull, the struggle that we feel this side of eternity. And when I look when I look at a question like this, the older I get, the more peace I have, quite frankly, of being like, Yeah, it's kinda nice not to know. Yes. It right? is. It's it kinda is. nice yes. not to know. But for children, they're trying to learn so much about the world that not knowing feels very uh, you know, it it feels like well, we're hiding something or God's hiding something yeah. instead of he's protecting. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, you know, in, in our world today, our kids can have an answer to many of their questions within, you know, 0.2 seconds. Millie loves to look at bones on, um, on Google image mm. and just see the bones in our body, mm. you know, and it's like she can, we can literally find out almost anything we want on this phone except some of these things that the Bible yes. says we will not know. Yes. And that's that's just a really um, juxtaposition for them, you know, um, to, fig- to figure out that dynamic. Most definitely. One of the things that it's interesting you, you bring that point up, Maria, we're touching on technology in, in our current ethics course and this fact that, uh, one, I got pushed back from the teens because I said technology can be addictive. So, but I survived it. But even one thing that they, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly it can be addictive. If Most definitely. That Most response. Definitely. Wow. Okay. <laughs> kind of proved your point there. Let, let me know if you ever want a guest lecture on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. I will certainly reach out. I will certainly yeah. reach out. I'm happy to go debate that one. But but one point that I was able to draw them in with was the fact that uh, there is an endless amount of information, uh, as you mentioned, through our phones, and so it's even harder to accept this fact that. There is a guy that in many ways is incomprehensible. When anything else we want to know, we can find an endless amount of information on our phones or tablets or what have you. So. Yeah. That's very true. Well, let's go to this next question. So who created God? Well, God created God or we don't know, right? And I think that's what, what we just said. No but one. Yeah, <laughs> no one. No one is the answer. But then why do we pray to God if he knows everything? Um, and I think that's a big one. And, and we know that Jesus calls us to pray. We know that that's throughout Scripture, that that it's not something that, that we're to just sit here. We're not making wishes to God. And we touched on this a little bit in an earlier podcast, but I think in, in the greater context of this and, and, and looking at the full just sphere mm. of these questions for these children, I think it is important to, again, ask, why do we pray to God? if he knows everything and here we are again finite creatures to the creative infinite god most definitely um yeah i i think about this issue and also thinking about my own upbringing and, and wrestling with that question of god is omniscient right he knows everything so why am i telling him you know what it is that i'm thinking or what it is that i want i think you just kind of touched on this as well but I think that goes back to um, a misunderstanding of what prayer is. Right? Mm-hmm. Prayer um, is not a wish list. And I think too many people, um, children and adults, approach prayer, a prayer in that way of, God, I want this. God, do this for me. God, give me, give me, give me. Right. But um, 
we know that God is not like Santa, right? He's not he's not a genie, right? We're not giving him our wish list, but we we pray, we ask God for things, often getting frustrated when we don't get what we want. Um, but I think the, the short answer to our question of why pray if God knows everything is that first, uh, God commands us to pray. Right? God commands his people to pray, to seek him um, all throughout the Old Testament, but even Jesus commands us to pray, right? And so I think that sort of kind of shifts our thoughts about why do we pray, right? Um, God himself knowing his omniscient nature, his all-knowing nature still tells us to pray. I think um, probably the, the, the biggest or main point that sticks out to that is it um, reminds us as finite creatures of our reliance on God. Mm-hmm. I think uh, having, I can speak for myself, having daily time where I pause, kneel, uh, bring my needs before God reminds me I need God. Like I, I can't, I can't go out in a day um, on my own strength or on my own confidence. I have to pause and and come to God as the Infinite One, as the One who knows all. And so it, 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 it humbles me and sort of uh, puts me back in my place, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What What would you say to a child who who says, "Well, no, I mean." When I watch TV, they're they're telling God what they want, or they somebody that says I haven't talked to you in a while, God, and this is what I need, or I'll, I'll follow you if, you know. And there, there's a lot of the, mm. um, the the words that I think our children are exposed to is not to get to know Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's much yeah. more mm-hmm. of a an exchange of wishes and obedience uh, for wishes being being granted. Mm. And so, how would you how would you change that conversation for a child? Um, when it really is about getting to know the God of the universe. Mm. When you were asking that, um, the first thing that came to my mind was thinking about uh, Jesus um, hours before his, his crucifixion. He knew it was coming. And, you know, he asked his father to remove that cup from him. But in his submission, he said, you know, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's something in my own life I've had to, um, bring to God to let go of what I want and mm-hmm. say, okay, God, not what I want, uh, but what you want. And I think that simple phrase of, of not my will and yours be done is something that's very short, even memorable that we can show kids, you know, like this is how Jesus, this is how Jesus prayed to God, the father. We can model this prayer um, to, to God as well. Not, not what I want, not my wish list if we're thinking about in terms of children. Right. Not, not give me, give me, give me, but, but Father, tell me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to, to use my life. You know, as you're saying that, thinking back to my childhood and how prayer was done, we either had like assemblies where we would pray for a long, long, long time, or we wouldn't pray until something happened. Until something bad happened or until we got worried about something. And so it does very much create this idea in our mind and in our bodies that we pray only when we're anxious Mm. or we pray only when it's, you know, the first Friday of every every month or whatever it may be. And so as you're as you're talking, it's just reminding me that prayer need needs to be that daily activity that we do, not just something that we pull out when life gets really hard because that teaches our kids that's what that's when we pray is when life gets hard um but that's definitely not how the bible 
commands us to pray. Um, so that's just good. Yeah. Good food for thought. Most definitely. I was just going to add one more thing of, I grew up in a similar context and I even think that sadly we see uh, secular culture, uh, TV, but even in, in the church sometimes when people face a distressing situation, we do what we can and then we say, well, all we can do now is pray. pray. And, yeah. and yeah, what type of framework does that impress right. on our children? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really fascinating because I think about perhaps the most meaningful prayer that we make theologically and, and somebody might smite me for this and that's okay. It might, might just be the blessing at dinner, mm. right? Because you're pausing and thanking the Lord for what he has given you. You're acknowledging that you're submitting to him versus throwing up a yes. wish list, right? You're not wishing for food. Mm-mm. You're praying for it and thanking him for, uh, typically for, for what is what you're about to partake in. That's a vastly different type of prayer than saying, hey, I, I hope, I wish, I, I, you know, I want. This um, is what I need. Right, yeah. versus thanking God for, for what he's done, uh, which is, is pretty pretty interesting. But, of course, living in the, in the U.S. and West County specifically for most of our families, it's a little bit more of an expectation. So, sure. yeah. yeah, well, let's, let's go to one more question. And then, and that is why did God create the world, right? If he is omniscient, omnipresent, he, he is three in one, the Holy Trinity. Why does he need us? Mm. Good question. And I think you also presented a question in a question. And so I think the answer to uh, wondering why did God create the world? We answer that realizing that he doesn't need anyone. God doesn't need anyone. Um, it's for his glory. For his own pleasure, uh, to bring honor uh, to himself. I think that also touches on uh, the big question that all people think through. Why are we here? What is my purpose? Why am I in this world? I can remember myself being a young child just, just thinking about that, my existence, and when did the world begin, and who is this God, and, and how will all this affect my life? And so... Um, but I think the short answer is, is, is very clear in, in Scripture as well. Uh, God created the world uh, for his glory uh, to bring honor and recognition and praise to himself. Um, you know, the Psalms even mention that the heavens declare God's glory. Um, anybody, uh, uh, um, religious person, someone who uh, may even not have any religious affiliation can look in the sky they can look the moon the sun the trees nature and know that there is a powerful god an all-powerful god out there um who is the reason why the world exists um but i I think the 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 first and short answer to that is is simple Uh, god created the world for his glory uh not for us to seek our own pleasures but to bring praise and honor to himself go ahead when I first heard that, not now, in college, yes. when I first heard that concept, I was like, well, gosh, that's really selfish of God. <laughs> uh, that was my next question. Why yeah. would he be more concerned? I think it was phrased to me a little differently. He's sure. more concerned with his glory. Sure. That, that is his uh, utmost concern is his glory. Sure. Um, and I was like, man, I don't, I mean, it was like a mini moment of faith crisis because I was like, wait a second. It doesn't revolve around me. Hmm. Like he's not concerned with my good and he is concerned with my good. Um, his glory is for my good, right? Like that, that's um, 
were created, you know, to, to worship him in that way. But yeah, it was a moment of, of like, I don't know if I can like follow this God that is most concerned Mm. with his glory. Sure. No, I have wrestled with that question as well. I even think about the fact that uh, God in scripture says that he is a jealous God. He is jealous for his praise and honor and glory. Even thinking through that concept, I heard a sermon years ago uh, by, by Dr. John Piper that, that touches on this and says, you know, all glory and honor in the universe should be geared towards the highest being. And so because God is above us, we give all the glory to him. And because there's no one higher than God, he, glory, he glories in himself. He's concerned with getting glory and honor for himself because he is our all in all. Oh, and I think a, another point to that is that God's glory is the greatest benefit we can receive. Amen. Exactly. Right. Yes. yes. And so the more that we're bene- the more that we are bringing glory to God, the more love we are receiving from Him. Yes. yes. And, it, and it's it's yes. it's not it's not one or the other. It's both and. And that I think that's a tough concept for kids to get. God is not being jealous. God is being generous with yes. His glory. Yes. Well, and again to point out the the way that counteracts our culture. Um, when I, uh, standing ovations are like one of my favorite things in sports. Nice. Um, and it, because it's this, it's this moment, right? We all love it. It's this moment of someone basking in glory mm. and of an entire stadium of people praising them for nice. hitting a ball over a fence. Um, and I'm a huge sports fan, so um, no, no critique of that. But it does reflect this need that we have to partake in glory and to partake in celebration and in accomplishment. And ultimately, right, that points us back to, back to God's glory. But I think that's what can be confusing sometimes is like, well, you know, that kind of glory gets really rewarded and it feels really good and we feel like we're a part of it. And just to think we're so much more a part of God's true glory than we share in the glory of someone hitting a home run. Right. And to go to the Westminster Confession of Faith, right? What is the chief in demand? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we want our kids to know that. And and I can't recite much of the Westminster Confession, um, but I can at least recite that one because the very first question in the whole thing is, why are we here? And, but when you unpack that uh, again, it is God sharing with us, God sharing with us, uh, the greatest thing he can offer us. And so um, I think it's I think it's all about that, that framework and getting to know God. You learn how much more love he is. Yes, there are moments of jealousy. Yes, there are moments of, of his wrath and anger. But there's so much fewer and far between compared to the love that he's trying to pour out upon his people and that that jealousy and that anger are still for our good to protect mm-hmm. us. Yes, most definitely. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think even uh, to that end, his glory is even further revealed uh, in his grace through Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He receives the greatest glory uh, for himself by redeeming us as a people uh, back to himself. Well, let's that that's a great conversation and and before we before we roll off here, um, I would love to hear about the church planning efforts. So you you and your family have been attending Church of the Highlands yes. out, out um, yes. with with Jordan Dayu. Yes, um, yes, yes. And we have several KDS families that attend out there. But yes. uh, talk to us a little bit about the church planning efforts that that you have with Abide and and what that's looking like. Sure, most definitely. So recently, uh, I began uh, the in the position as a church planter resident 
at the Highlands Church. We're an EPC church out in Chesterfield. Um, and I am a church planter resident leading the effort of planting Abide Community Church in North St. Louis. Um, about three and a half years ago, uh, my wife and I were searching for a gospel-centered church with good teaching, and um, God connected us to the Highlands. We've been there since then, got connected to some systems and, and um, networks through the EPC that have uh, helped us prepare and be ready for this church planting work. I'm born and raised in North City, and so for for many years, I felt God's push to, uh, the way I say it, bring hope and healing north of the Delmar Divide. Mm. As someone from the area, I just know the frustrations and pain um, and complex trauma that poverty uh, that poverty brings. And so, our goal is to uh, bring the love of Christ. Um, to the unique and specific needs of North City. Uh, a, a lot of that we would like to address, uh, one, through the tangible, physical needs of the community. Uh, one of my um, biggest endeavors right now is creating nonprofit partnerships uh, to address things such as financial fitness, um, uh, f- um, working with food banks, um, education um, sectors and quality education institutions, ensuring that citizens of the target community are connected with these efforts and also racial reconciliation. As we know, our area is plagued with um, deep segregation and also some erroneous mindsets about division. And so um, as I've been talking to other pastors um, all around our area, one thing I've been saying very regularly is that our members will need to know that they have Christian brothers and sisters who may not look like them, but love them very much. And so mm-hmm. also want to be involved in church partnerships um, for that reason as well, but even expository preaching and teaching. And so um, along with those those efforts of racial reconciliation and community partnerships, still keeping the gospel uh, front and center and ensuring that our highest goal is to connect people uh, with the love of Jesus Christ through uh, the proper preaching and teaching of his word. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and the conversation you and I have had over the years, Herman, I mean, it's it's exciting from, from my seat, and we talked about this recently yes. just because not only is there is there a financial poverty, but we talked about the fact that there is a great uh, social-emotional poverty yes. um, that, that you're talking about as well. That um, And I think it goes uh, on both sides of the Del Mar Divide. Yes. Um, yes. That the, is, is a bridge there. And so just love that. Love your vision for it. Um, and we'll attach um, some information to, to the podcast uh, email that, that goes out about Abide. And you can find out more um, regarding that. But it's, a, it's an exciting effort and one that is desperately needed for that area. And so we're excited to, to watch what God does with you yes. in that. Yes, he is definitely moving and working. So we're excited as well. Awesome. Well, Thank you. Thanks, Herman. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And as, as we get ready to roll, I would say, parents, submit those questions. We're always ready for them. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a great one. But, Herman, thanks again. Thank you all.